Welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 159. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Got myself a new mattress. Getting some crazy rest. Unbelievable. Nice, nice. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, we got a new mattress when we moved, and I... There's nothing better than a new mattress. No, there isn't. It's just... It's amazing. It's amazing. Unbelievable. What's the what's the firmness firmness level on your new mattress? I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's. Well, I mean, like, is it firm or is it really oh, it's, soft? No, it's. Which one do you prefer? It's firm. It's firm. Yeah. It's a latex mattress. Oh, that's what I have. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh man, they're amazing, aren't they? They're just unbelievable. And it's crazy because they're so much cheaper than those Tempur-Pedic ones, and much better. And and, and I feel I, yeah, I feel like they're much much better. Yeah, you sink too much in those Tempur-Pedic bullshits. And they're hot. Tempur-Pedics are hot. Are they? Yeah, they get hot. I didn't know that. Can't breathe in those things. <laughs> uh, 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 this week on the show, we will be doing a retro review of the 1981 cult classic Roar, which is getting a re-release from Draft House Films next month. And we'll also be talking about How Ha, Starring Vigo Mortensen that comes out in limited release next week. Uh, didn't have a whole lot to to not a lot of choice no, this nothing, week as far as things to re- to review. Nothing really uh, we came were, out. Yeah, we were going to be doing it follows. However, apparently they pulled that from VOD and it just landed in theaters. So fantastic. Yeah, I like that the old at the last minute switcheroo. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice. I'm not sure. You know, what, I'm not sure what happened there. I, you're all of a sudden, for it, you're excited for it. Yeah, yeah, all excited for it. All of a sudden, I get a an email from the publicist saying you need to take that off the calendar. It's not coming out on VOD anymore. And I was like, what? What? It's so nice of them. At least they, yeah. You know, so at least they told you. Yeah. Oh. Well. <laughs> um. We'll also be talking about some of what we've been watching, and of course, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu ray releases. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net or leave us a comment on the site. We'd love to hear from you. Let's go ahead and kick things off with our first review of the day. We're talking about How Ha. This is written and directed by Lissandro Alonso. I have a synopsis here. A father and daughter journey from Denmark to an unknown desert that exists in a realm beyond the confines of civilization. Now, Kevin, you're going to be working on a written review for this, right? Correct. So I will start it off now. If you listened to the show last week, it was either last week or the week before, I did yeah. give my very brief thoughts on this movie. Um, it, it wasn't for me. This this movie was just, it wasn't for me. I, I saw it in a theater environment and it it just made it so hard for me to sit through it. I, I dozed off a couple times. It was just way too slow and plotting for me to really be on board with it. There's just not enough going on in this movie. I did notice here a plot keyword is masturbation. So <laughs> uh. there's that. Which I forgot uh, about. I forgot that you you mentioned that. Yeah, and then the, it popped the up and I was like, scene. oh yeah, that's right. The extended masturbation scene. Just real time. Um, just real time. God just pretty going much at it. it. 
pretty much everything I said last week still still stands. Uh, I thought that every single shot in this movie lasted about 30 seconds too long. Mm-hmm. And it made me impatient. Sometimes if I see a movie, I get frustrated and impatient with it where I'm it. I don't know what it is. It just it. Uh, I don't know how to articulate it, but it like kind of makes my skin crawl. You know what I mean? Like I'm just Does like, it kinda, hurry up. Yeah, kind of irritates you a little bit. Yeah, and that's that's how a lot of this movie made me feel. And I just uh, I just couldn't get on board with it. It looked gorgeous. I mean, I, I like the the setting. The well, yeah. This, I mean, it's uh, Patagonia. It, it's gonna yeah. look amazing. And it's like, but but I felt like they just didn't do enough with that that lush environment that they're in, you know, it's, it, it is a desert, but it's not your, the typical desert that you imagine. It's not, you know, miles and miles of sand. It's, it's a lot of greenery in there. Oh yeah. And especially it's awesome. where the, the coast where it right. begins. Yeah. Oh my God. It's just beautiful. So at first I was on board with the, the long static shots. Cause I was just, you know, I was just in awe of the surroundings. Like, well, this place is just beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. And then those takes just kept going and going. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, all right, can we, are we going to add to this? Are we going to do anything? Or are we just kind of hanging out? Which it seems like for the first hour and 15 minutes, that's all we do. Yeah. We're just hanging. And I was, I was much like you. I got very irritated and bored. I was just bored out of my mind. I'm so just, glad that you agree with being me honest. I, I'm and, so glad. And I thought, you know, because I'm a huge fan, slow cinema, love it. And I really thought that, you know, I would come here and I would just be just drilling you, saying that, you know, you just don't get it. You don't understand it. It's very complex. But no, that no, that didn't happen. I'm completely on board with you. I just, this was pointless. This was fucking pointless. And it has the... The most irritating twist, if you want to call it a twist, whatever the hell you want to call that at the end, that's just like a slap in the fucking face. Oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, I, I don't want to give it away just for anyone that uh, that's planning on seeing this, but it is it's just, pretty, it's just, pretty ridiculous. No, and as soon as it happened, I was just, I audibly said, fuck you, fuck you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Fuck you. And the the worst part about it is is that we finally start getting some some something happening. We get some action in the narrative. This and I'm using that term very loosely. Where very you, slight action. Yeah, it's very slight action. All of a sudden things take a surreal turn and you're like, "Okay, here we go. We're getting into it now. This is this is intriguing. What's happening? Where are we going?" And then that twist happens, and oh my god, infuriating. Yeah. Yep. Just yeah. Why? It's, uh, it's something. <laughs> it's something. And there's you know, um, and the what the thing that irritates me even more is there's even he sort of tips his hand to it too at the end where he, he, there's a character discussing this ailment that's currently affecting a dog. And he's saying that he has a hot spot. It's kind of right. like a, ner- or a nervous reaction. and He uh-huh. doesn't understand something, so he, he scratches it furiously. And, you know, he injures himself. Which I took as him trying to tell me that, you know, if you don't understand it, that's what you're going to do. And th- that could happen if I wanted to take the time to try and 
you know, figure out what was going on here. But I don't, I don't want to take the time. Nothing compels me. Right. That's exactly what I was just going to say. There's nothing that's really compelling about this story. I think that making kind of this minimalist uh, journey of a man trying to find his missing daughter could be interesting. Could it be. could be interesting depending on the people and things that he encounters out in the desert. But the problem is he he encounters so little. And you, you and you know so little about these characters, too. There's no attachment to them. No. There is none. I mean, there's some, there's occasionally some arresting imagery, especially the nighttime sequences. Oh, yeah. I've never seen the night sky look so artistic before. It's been quite a long time since I've seen that. The, the use of lighting, you know, occasionally you are like drawn in by the imagery. But I mean, there's just entirely too much of nothing happening. Just nothing. It's just Vigo walking. Yeah. Vigo walking here. Vigo walking there. Here's Vigo climbing some stones. Yay. Do you also see (laughs) what I was saying about how this is one of these movies where people are just going to eat it up and love it? I can see that. I think any time. I mean, he does. Alonzo does do. Because he kind of states his purpose right at the beginning. Which, again, it's kind of like last week when we were talking, or I was talking about El Topo, where the entire movie is the beginning, where there's just that bit of dialogue, and in this case, right. it's writing with the subtitles, and that's the whole movie. Like, that's all you need to know, is that people are looking for something, happiness, abundance, whatever, and they get lost. Okay, that's the entire movie. So, great, let's do that for an hour and 50 minutes for some reason. And everything is stated right then and there. Yeah. And I I mean, he does do a decent job. You know, he talks about this being a mythological place. And it does seem like he does, you know, a, a decent job of creating this mythical place on, on, uh, on the screen there. But, man, for an hour and 50 minutes and then to throw in that slap in the face at the end, just, oh, it just irritated me beyond belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I felt about it, too. Uh, although, if you look on Letterboxd, this has loads of uh, high scores. Most people are giving it a four. Well, just a heads up, that's not going to be me. <laughs> that is not going to be me. I'm just, I, I'm not there. I'm not there. I don't... Again, I will I will say that it is possible to make a beautif- beautiful visual film that has something to say that also is entertaining to watch that that compels you to keep watching it that holds your interest that has something occur in it and i'm sorry but i I just can't wrap my head around somebody that sees this movie and is not like wow that was a completely boring slog of a movie to me as soon as i was done as soon as the credits rolled i just thought to myself well that was a huge fucking waste of time yeah i just There's some movies that I see where I just have a really hard time wrapping my head around someone that could exit the theater or turn it off on their TV and be like, yes, yes, that was awesome. That was it. That's exactly what I was looking for, which I mean, I I can get into that. I can get into a movie really being about nothing and it's just some beautiful visuals and, you know, you throw in some surrealism here and there. But I think for me, 
I think it really was just that twist at the end. I think that that made it worse for me. Yeah. I th- you know, yeah, it was that... just adding insult to injury. Yeah, that was kind of a big fuck you to the audience. <laughs> I mean, I want to discuss it so bad. But the only other thing I will say that baffles me and irritated me too is put some fucking pants on. Yeah. Like, well, why? Why am I now having to watch like a preteen girl walk around without pants on? And she has another piece of clothing that I think, okay, she's about to put some pants on. No, she puts another shirt on for some reason and then continues to walk around pantsless. Why? So it's just what she's doing on the estate. Uh, I found that unsettling. All right, Hal Ha. Uh, I, on Letterboxd, I gave this a two and a half out of five. That will translate to a five out of ten. Um, I'm leaning more towards a four and a half. So I'll I'll say I'll just stick with the five I guess it it was the the visuals were were very arresting like I I, I did I re- and like you said I was on board for the beginning part of this movie because I was actually interested in who these characters were what they were doing there you know what what work brought them there and I was into the kind of long static shots that lingered a little bit too long i was into that at first but it really wore out its welcome for me oh, sure did. within probably the first 25 minutes i was like all right oh i'm starting to fade in any movie that makes me fall asleep in the theater uh <laughs> I, don't, wish, I don't think that's, I've that's ever, not a good sign i don't think i've ever fallen asleep in the theater i can probably count the number of times on one hand it's only been a few times that i've i mean it wasn't like i've missed parts of the movie it was one of these deals where there's it goes nothing, off and then there's nothing happening anyways you yeah probably exactly just, you probably just miss vigo falling asleep for 10 minutes yeah i mean it was it was one of those deals where i would fade and then come back real quick you know uh but yeah i don't know what what um now do you think that the the way in which this was filmed and presented do you think that that plays a part that people give it little more of a pass because they go with the the, the academy yeah the academy ratio with the rounded corners you know the, no I one's like really, that no first. one's done it in such a long time do you think that that yeah. plays a part like it gave it kind of I, I think it does yeah i mean it gave it kind of an old-timey look and at first i was really into that i was like oh man this is cool i like i was i was too but then at the same time you're like well it's kind of pointless now there's uh <laughs> I've seen and heard a few people compare this to Meek's Cutoff, which I haven't seen. Do you see a comparison there with Meek's Cutoff? Um, I, slightly. Very, very slightly. Only because you're talking about the West. It's a slow burn. But and I've also seen it uh, compared to The Searchers, which is another one I haven't seen. Uh, no, no. I mean, The Searchers, yes, and the fact that he's searching for someone. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Like, that's all you have. Why, like, why make that comparison? Like, hey, they're both looking for people. I've, I've, there's multiple sure, there's, reviews on Letterboxd. There's that, a shit ton of movies. Searchers. There's a shit ton of movies where people are searching for people. I mean, the only other thing that you could say with the searchers is because it's, you know, it's a Western. Mm-hmm. That's it. But, I mean, uh, uh, how ends up making Meek's Cutoff look like an action packed thrill ride? 
which it is <laughs> yeah. not. It's not right. even close to that. Yeah. Well, there you have it. If you're into extremely, uh, if you're into no burns, if you're into movies where nothing happens, but you got some good visuals, then How Ha is is right up your alley. What did you think of Vigo's performance? We didn't really talk about any performances. Uh, he does a really good job of walking, which mm-hmm. I mean. Contemplating. Yeah. He, he does con- a lot of contemplating. He does some contemplating. What did you think about that sweet scene where it showed him sleeping for like a minute? <laughs> now, the only thing, I actually slightly enjoyed that, only because that brought back the night sky. The, the sky. Which was, yeah. to me, that was, those were the images that were really striking to me, was the way um, the cinematographer made the night sky look, which is usually, um, that's, uh, who's the cinematographer is that? Aki Kurosmaki. It's his normal uh, collaborator. So that was interesting because he always has this sense, uh, Timo Salomon. He always has this ability to make everything kind of feel otherworldly. Uh-huh. So I, I, that was really the only thing that gripped me throughout. But, man, it like you said, it wore out its welcome. Because after a while, you know, you you want something to happen. Yeah, I want a little bit more than just watching uh, a dude masturbate in a pool just, for three minutes. Just going at it. He was furiously going at it, and he didn't even care. He knew. He knew people were watching. He didn't give a fuck. He's <laughs> like, whatever. I'm just going to jerk it right here. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even seem to be enjoying himself either. Nah. He, nah, was just, he was just—it was like a—it was like an errand he had to run. To yeah, day. it was like it was a—he was an <laughs> obligation. He had to do it. It was on his to-do list, part of the agenda for the day. So, How Ha comes out in limited release next Friday. Um, let me check. It doesn't look like it's gonna get a VOD release. Looks like it's uh. Well, it's too yeah, good. It look, it's too good for a VOD. Looks like it's theatrical only. So if it's playing in your area and you're <laughs> maybe if you if you like um, some of uh, the director uh, Alonzo's other movies, maybe, maybe, yeah. But I haven't seen. Like I, ha- I mean, you it's saw... much. I saw Liverpool, which I really don't remember a lot of, and I was not. All I know is I was not a huge fan of Liverpool, mostly because it was just the main actor walking just walking walking around yeah. just walking around i don't think well, there's any any masturbating in that one though well that's a shame <laughs> that seems like a seems like a new uh new thing that we're doing just furious <laughs> masturbation <laughs> just masturbation just long shots of people stroking it <laughs> <laughs> i mean I don't, I don't know what that fascination is going on there but apparently uh we're all about masturbating now yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next film. This one's a little bit more fun. This one's uh, got a, got a little bit more going on. There's, this is Roar. There's so much more going on. So much going on in this movie. So this is Roar from 1981. It's, it's written and directed by Noel Marshall. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Uh, ravening jungle beasts assemble in flocks to invade an otherwise quiet home where they chase humans up and down stairways from from one room to another. This stars Noel Marshall as well as his wife, Tippi Hedren, and his daughter, Melanie Griffith. So, it's so funny because I never even heard of this movie before Mm. Drafthouse Films announced that they were re-releasing it. 
And they were like, oh, it's the most dangerous movie ever made. So I kind of looked into it a little bit. And I was like, man, this movie sounds insane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, uh, so you can still buy this on Amazon. So you, you can get a copy. However, I probably would recommend just waiting until Draft House re-releases it. Because I'm sure they're going to do a new transfer. And it's going to be in theaters and stuff. So oh if, my you can God, see in theaters, if you can see this in theaters. If you can see this in the theater, please. Oh. Please, you owe it to yourself to see it in the theater. Because... Treat yourself. Just treat it, yourself. It is so ridiculous. Kevin, what'd you think of Roar? This is the funniest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I, I, you don't know the number of times I had to pause this movie to like gather myself, to get the laughing under control, and just to pull myself together, really. Just to gain, regain your composure. Yeah, because yeah, I lost it constantly. Just like essentially five, ten seconds. Every other five, ten seconds, I was just losing it, and I would have to pause it because that synopsis that you read is—it doesn't even come close to telling you what's going on. <laughs> just imagine this is what it is. There's no story here. There's barely a story. This—I mean, as a movie, it's terrible. It's just—it's stupid. It's ridiculous. There's no yeah. There's well, nothing there's going. A, there, there's there's a, a very there's very a, slight plot. A very thin thread of a plot. But, but it's really one thing. It's it's about a family meeting the the their dad slash husband at his ranch. That's it. That's what the that's what the movie's about. Yeah, and essentially it's just he forgot to go. Well, he tried to go to the airport, but and we'll get to it in a moment. He kept getting sidetracked, and then his family goes to his house without him being there and crossed wires and whatnot, and then just hilarity ensues. Because jungle cats will not do what you tell them to do. So essentially what you're what you have here in Roar is just someone trying to make a movie. Just imagine any other movie in the world. They're just trying to do lines and whatnot, hitting their marks, but every five seconds or so <laughs> it's interrupted yeah. by lion attacks, tiger attacks, <laughs> panther attacks, cheetahs, <laughs> elephants. Anything along those lines. Just imagine it's, that. Just constantly being interrupted by the lions. Yeah. It's it's so funny. And as soon as you see it, you're just like, holy shit, there's like 50 lions in this dude's house. It's crazy. And like you said, it, they, try to, they try to do their lines. They try they so hard. <laughs> and they'll say like three words and then all of a sudden they'll get pounced by a lion and mm-hmm. be on the ground. Yep. And it's like five minutes into the movie, no Marshall's covered in blood because he he gets fucked up like right away. Oh, God. And most of no Marshall's lines are ad-libbed because of being attacked. It's just him going, oh, 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 and yelling Togar. That's it. Like, that's all he does. Most of the movie is him trying to control the lions and tigers. Yeah, it's 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 an unbelievable cinematic document of some of the the dumbest people in the world. Just some of the most idiotic, fucking idiotic people that I've ever seen. It's a movie that really needs to be seen to believed. It's just it's unbelievable that they decided to to make this thing that they were like hey, let's just do this and there 
So many lions. There are so many lions you and tigers in this movie. How many lions and tigers <laughs> are just roaming around? And I, I have a problem with the synopsis. How it says like jungle beasts assemble in flocks to invade an otherwise quiet home. That doesn't. They don't invade. They just live no, there. They live. They're just. There. They're welcomed. They're, they're already welcomed there in the house. Like you see all these lions outside, and you're like, well, that's that's kind of a lot of lions. That's a good number. And then yeah. Noel Marshall opens up the door, and you see that there's three times as many inside the house, just yeah. hanging out. Yeah, and he's laying not, on the stairs. He's not freaking out about it. He's just like, "Oh, hey guys, what's up?" And they just pounce on him immediately and yep. just try to eat his face. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's just ridiculous, and I love. The like we said, there's the the storyline of the the family coming. Oh god, trying, yeah, this, which this is, is the most ridiculous which is, part. It's fucking the family. It's so idiotic. But what takes up just as much time is Matibo and his jacket. Matibo just trying to save his jacket. Trying to save that jacket that is torn to shit. And just leave it, dude. Just leave the jacket's gone. It's just they keep everything in. They just keep it all in. Like, I'm pretty sure that Matibo's jacket being taken by the Lions and him, you know, playing tug of war with it and constantly saying, that's my jacket. Give me back my jacket. I don't think that that was in the script. Oh, maybe not. That just happened. But the jacket thing starts really early in the movie, too. Remember? Because it was on the boat. It's like the first At the very beginning of the movie, (laughs) at the very beginning of the movie, they go after his jacket and he ends up having to throw it over to Noel Marshall and then later on in the movie, it, it's just a constant thing. The jacket is just they're they keep going after it. He must have like beef jerky in his pocket or he something. Does I mean it's kind of Mativa's fault. He's just leaving the jacket lying around. Of course they're going to tear into it. Like Mativo, if you you're really hooked on this jacket, keep it on your person. Keep it with you. Don't be throwing it over chairs around seventeen lions because something's <laughs> going to happen to that jacket. Okay. The the thing that I thought was weird about this movie was the fact that it's billed as kind of this like fun family romp and the music is really upbeat and silly and they make they try to make jokes while they're being attacked by lions (laughs) but the whole time it's like why are they not so fucking i mean they should be trembling and and they you can see that they are scared I mean, the fear is real. It's got to be. Oh, it's definitely real. Especially when I mean, there's, the, there's the, the committee comes. The committee comes. And, you know, he's talking about his grant. He's like, we need to save these cats. And, you know, they're in their boats. And then they just get attacked out of nowhere. And they're yeah. bleeding for real. They're bleeding for real. They're just being the attacked. tigers are jumping in the water and jumping into the boats, knocking them into the water, just biting, mauling them. Biting their faces <laughs> off, just scratching throats, everything. And you can tell that these guys are scared shitless. Yeah. And it's just yeah. <laughs> But even when even when Tippy Hedren and Melanie Griffith and their sons are getting attacked in the house, I mean you got to be there's so many lions and tigers. It's crazy. They're co- they're coming in from they're on the roof. They're busting in through the door. They they bust through the doors. They bust in the windows. It's it's just insane. Like it I can just... <laughs> I can understand that you want to live with some lions which no, I can't understand that. I'm sorry. No. I can't. No. I don't know. <clears throat> and does anyone else do this besides white people? Like, it's just another document of white people being fucking idiotic. 
with animals. Yeah. They just what the hell is wrong with people? And I love how even the native Kenyans are like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, even Matibo's like, "You're crazy." <laughs> yeah. Matibo is without a doubt my favorite character in all of this. Yeah, because just his reactions. He, the he's the grounded one. <laughs> he's just like, "What are you doing? You're crazy." They're gonna, they're gonna eat you. They're gonna. Murder and no Marshall, no Marshall's just like, "Hey, here, use this umbrella. This will, this will keep him away. Use the umbrella to, <laughs> to push the tiger back." He's constantly employing Matibo to just be like, "Hey, you be my decoy." Climb, so, climb up the tree and wave your shirt. Well, I love the that, fact before it gets to the shirt, at first it's just dangle your legs down. Just oh, use yeah. yourself as bait. And then <laughs> I'll keep the lines busy. And that way I can go and get my family. Even though I was supposed to meet them like six hours ago. Yeah, they're probably still at the airport. And then he gets in the car and comes back. Mativo spends the entire night in the tree. In a tree. And the lions <laughs> are just, or the tigers are just hanging out. Just sleeping on the other side of the road. He comes back with a car, and Noel Marshall's like, before he even says anything to Mativo, is like lion or tigers. Get in the car. Get in the back seat. So he's yeah, more they, concerned about the <laughs> Bengali tigers than he is of Mativo. And I love how Mativo he mentions that too. He's like, "Where am I going to sit?" He's like, "Oh, just sit right here." He's like, "No, it's going to bite my head off <laughs> as soon as I get in there." <laughs> oh god. <laughs> But I also love how in that same scene, Mativo's like, your family's dead. They're eaten. They ate your family. <laughs> but he says it in a joking way. And old Marsh is like, nah. <laughs> and it's just like, this guy is the worst husband and father on the planet. You literally just sent your whole family to get killed by hundreds of lions and tigers. And, and panthers and leopards and cheetahs. There's no, like, they're confused by it when they get to the house. Yeah. Which I'm not thinking, Which I'm thinking, Noel, or Hank, whatever your character's name is, how, like, how did you not stress that before they showed up? Like, hey, just to let you know, give you a heads up, there's lions, tigers, cheetahs, panthers, all sorts of jungle cats, and they just kind of roam around. Too. They're inside the house, they're all outside the perimeter, they're everywhere, just a heads up, don't be scared. But no, he doesn't tell him any of that. It's just yeah. it's the it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Just Jerry's when he's stuck in the ice box, and then, there's that extended sequence of the cat just keeps opening the door, and he yeah. tries to close it, and he, it goes on for like five minutes. And he's just and the, just the look on the cat's face, and the fact that Jerry's like, no, 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 oh, no. <laughs> What, there's another scene that's similar to that when they're in the boat and they're trying to row away and there's a lion that just sticks his paw in the boat and pulls it back and they're furiously rowing and it just sticks his paw and pulls it back <laughs> and the lion does like, that hey, for like 30 seconds. Hey, it's so funny. Hey, where are you going? Come, hey, hey come, come back here. <laughs> hey, hey, can you come back? And I also learned that elephants hate boats. Yeah, because there's an extended I, I, sequence I, I, of it, just an <laughs> elephant. Destroying just, a rowboat. Just going to town on a rowboat. Just destroying it. And also he picks up Tippy Tippy Hedron and just throws her into the water. Which, again, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. That broke her leg in real life. She fell... Or, and, I don't know if it was that scene, but it, during production, she fell off an, ele- or an elephant, bucked her off its back, and when she landed, it fractured her leg. Which... This is what I'm going to say to that. And to everyone that got injured in this. Good. You stupid fucking idiots. Good. 
So, yeah, let's let's talk about the injuries because uh, there are 70 plus injuries to the to the casting crew on this movie. Uh, no animals harmed, uh, but the people involved were it, <clears throat> it is called the most dangerous movie ever made and it really is. Look at the is. injury list here. Melanie Griffith was mauled by a line and required plastic surgery. Uh, she received 50 stitches on her face. Jan de Bont, who is the cinematographer on this movie, he, most of you probably know him, he would later become a director. He, he did Speed 2, Cruise Control. He, he almost had his head bitten off. Yeah, he and we're was not, we're, scalped. We're, yeah, we're not exaggerating. No, not exaggerating. He was scalped by uh, a lion. He received over 120 stitches to sew his scalp back on. Um, he... No Marshall, no Marshall was uh, severely mauled. He got gangrene from his injuries, and it took him several years to completely recover. Which you see, you see numerous times. No Marshall, oh, yeah, get his hand cut open, and the fact that he tries to bandage it around well, like well, thirty cats. He's just well, trying yeah. to bandage it with thirty cats around. The funny thing was, at the beginning of the movie, he had one of his hands bandaged. And then he gets bitten on his other hand, or clawed, or whatever happens. And he takes that bandage off his other hand, and and tries to wrap it around his other one. And then there's a scene where, I don't remember if it was a lion or a tiger, bites him in that bitten hand, and mm-hmm. tries to yep. pull the bandage off. <laughs> and he just goes, he just goes, ow, I'm hurt there. <laughs> it was the... It was the baby lion. I think his name was Gary. Which, Gary, again, yeah. we didn't even get into the fact that the names for these animals. They're like Robbie and Gary, yep. Patrick. Just normal names, except for the bad guys, Togar. Togar was Togar was the son of a bitch, though. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they had him completely covered in blood. The covered in blood the whole, whole movie. But then somehow, like, Togar gets, like, turned around. I don't know. This is a fucking stupid movie. It's stupid, but at the same time, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's it is. Uh, I highly recommend seeing it just because it is <clears throat> crazy. People have said that it's the most expensive home movie ever made. It cost seventeen million dollars. How, like, Noel Marshall? How were his kids not taken away from him? I know, right? He is the worst parent I've ever seen. I remember had- when. Worst parent. I, rem- I remember when people were freaking out about the the crocodile hunter and how he would let his young daughter be around wild animals, and that was nothing compared nothing. to this. Nothing at all. <laughs> nothing. No. Nothing. That's not even close. I mean, they just just crazy. Just I crazy. really hope. Like I don't know what kind of special features are going to be on this uh, draft house films dvd but i really hope that there's a commentary track by herzog because i would just love to see or hear herzog just discuss this film i would love to see some kind of retrospective that interviews tippy hedron and melanie griffith and anybody else that's involved beyond Demont. or <laughs> just like a social worker i hope there's a commentary track of just a social worker <laughs> Children and youth. <laughs> Just watches this thing. I also I, I want to mention the scene where the one son 
tries to get on the dirt bike and get away because that was hilarious. He's <laughs> so terrible. And he and he goes off the dirt the dirt jump and I just kept saying that I bet he just wanted to do that. He's like, "Dad, let me take this let me take this bike off a dirt jump. Put that in the movie." And the funny thing is, probably Noel Marshall's probably like, "I don't know, son. That seems kind of dangerous." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, ti- tigers are trying to fucking rip him, rip just, him down off the bike. I just love that any any time that people would try and run or do anything, like any sort of action sequence, they were just just tackled by lions, just constantly yeah. tackled by lions. And. In that dirt bike scene, he he eventually does get away from the lions and tigers, and then ends up back. He he yeah he ends up facing off against an elephant, and then has to turn around and go back to where the lions and tigers are, and of course they eventually knock him off the bike. <laughs> oh god! And the way in which um, Noel Marshall's family comes to terms with these lions and tigers. And various other jungle cats. It's just fucking ridiculous. They go essentially like 30 yards from the original house. And they're like, oh, this place is safe. Let's sleep. They don't secure it. They don't lock doors. They don't do anything. No. And the lions come in, go to sleep around them. And then they're like, oh, they must not be that bad. Because they didn't they kill a- us in our had, sleep. Yeah, they had ample opportunity to kill us. And they didn't. Even though they tried for like the last three, four hours. But in this yeah. one moment, they didn't. So, yeah, they they must be good people. Good animals right there. Now we're all buds. It is an absolutely ridiculous movie. It's, I, it's seriously the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Just the fact that Melanie Griffith and Tippi Hedren were involved in this. I mean, these aren't just non-actors. They're not just, like, stunt people or or uh, animal trainers that are doing the this stuff. It's actual named hollywood actors it's, yeah it's just no getting Marshall. mauled by lines no marshall and his fan yeah all right uh i i don't even know what to say as far as the score on this i was thinking about just not even scoring it but <laughs> what do you what are you thinking on roar roar out of, out of, t- out of 10 yeah out of 10 i give it a three it's a fucking it's a terrible movie it's terrible it's, it's not, a terrible it's, movie. It's, it's barely even a movie. But as an experience, that, it's that's an what I'm saying. Like as an experience, it's, it's an eleven. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't even know if I can rate this because it doesn't even feel like a movie to me. It's just <laughs> it's not a movie. It's just a never-ending sequence of <laughs> of these people getting attacked by animals. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But it is so entertaining to watch and insane mm. to watch that they put this together I, I don't know it uh so it did have a budget of 17 million and only grossed 2 million and it basically ruined noel marshall he was he was done in mm-hmm. hollywood after yeah. this movie that was it for him yeah pretty much pretty much yeah it was a, a colossal failure it was uh the most of the production budget was tippy hedron and noel marshall's own money what they didn't like Soon after it was released, and they get divorced. I think Mar- so. Marshall and Hedron. I will say. I, I will also say that the the ranch that this took place on really cool looking. Oh, it's the, fantastic! The, the at the, the beginning the, when they do that kind of um, 
overhead overview shot of it. The house, Ooh. really awesome. Oh my! The how the water goes through it, and <clears throat> it does feel like the Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah, which also, um, because of that construction, is kind of what ruined them because there was a flood. Because yeah, let's build this giant massive structure in the middle of the water. Yeah, on the water, and then it's completely flooded out. So they had to rebuild everything. Just it, it's it's almost like a documentary of one of the dumbest yeah. families you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, I get making a movie about uh, you know trying to educate people on animals and and a lot of it. I think he was trying to make a movie about uh, t- to show that these lions are not these kind of savage, ruthless killers. But yet, at the same time, the lions are constantly interrupting, like, no, we are. We are. Do not fuck with us. We'll eat your face off. Get out of I here. I just think he did. Get I think he went about it. Get the fuck out of here. he went about it the wrong way. I think maybe having one or two lions, it would be manageable. But the fact that they have 160 is a little bit overkill. A little bit. And I just love the fact that, you know, the committee comes and he's talking about his grant. And he's like, we need to protect them. And they are attacked just attacked ruthlessly yeah, that's, that's kind of the other plot point that we didn't even touch on about uh there's this is terrible these it's... random banditos that decide that they're gonna try to kill all the lions for some reason because they got then, attacked yeah they don't they don't win. they don't win. spoiler no nah, no nah. togar togar is togar. a beast yeah he just is a, a beast just a heads up if you want to see people being attacked by lions and tires. There's nowhere else to go. If you want to see Tippy Hedron and Melanie Griffith being attacked by lions and tigers, mm-hmm. you just check want it. Check it out. People tackling, people getting tackled by lions just constantly. There's so many tackles. Fantastic There's form a, on these lions, too. A lot of tackling. It's just, oh my God, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I just, oh my God. You will never laugh so much in your life. Yeah, it's insane it's an insane (laughs) ridiculous movie uh since i have to give it a score i will say man i'll I'll give it a six i'll say six it's a it is it is a it's a non-movie i don't even consider it a movie i consider it one of those uh straight to dvd world's craziest animal attacks that's what i consider it In that sense, yes, it is fantastic. For one of those, the cinematography is unbelievable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for one of those. All right, that's Roar. This comes back into theaters April 17th. So you you can check it out then. And I'm sure that they're going to have a a Blu-ray release shortly thereafter. And I'm I'm quite anxious to see what they got as far as special features because I'm probably going to pick up the Blu-ray just... Just in hopes. You have to. Just in hopes that they have some uh, crazy crazy stuff on there. It's going to be ridiculous. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to some of what we've been watching. I think I will start it off this week. Um, Muck. Started off with a movie called Muck. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. This came out on VOD this week. I don't know if it landed in theaters or not. I I hope not. I hope nobody paid any amount of money to see this um Uh, it's uh so it's a horror movie that 
basically just your your conventional slasher movie. It's one of these deals where they try to they try to be uh they try to satirize the tropes of slasher movies. Mm-hmm. But does it work? In doing so, they they're not satirizing it. They're just making making what they are trying to satirize if that makes sense. So they're just they're, when, they're just kind of going through the motions. Right. But knowingly. But at the like same have time this, thinking that they're like subverting everything that they're doing, but they're not. Yeah, so interestingly, this movie starts while the group of 20-something a-holes are already on the run from something. Okay. From the kill. So they So you're just thrown in. They completely eliminate any kind of character development, no introduction to where this takes place, uh, nothing, nothing of the sort. We don't know what's coming after them. They just they just throw you right in. Uh, all the women, all the girls are already half naked. All the guys are drunk and acting like dickheads. They're injured. The one guy's kind of the he's like the goofball guy. He. Uh, kind of calls it out and he's like we're, we're live we're in a horror movie oh like, boy. You're, like you're the slutty girl and you're gonna get killed and i'm the goofy friend and i'm gonna get killed and it's like ha 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 so at one point the the boyfriend uh you know the dashing boyfriend is like i'm gonna go get help he goes what seems to be right down the road from where they're at they hold up in this abandoned uh not abandoned but um vacant Summer home okay. takes place in Cape Cod. You find that out later. And he goes down the road to get help. And he goes to the bar they were at. And instead of immediately trying to get help, he ends up taking shots with girls and uh, selfies with them. And all the girls look like these typical L.A. struggling actors where they've all they're all like 20, but they've had way too much plastic surgery already. Yeah, and it was just awful. Everything about this movie is what makes me uh, lose faith in the horror genre because it is just the worst, bottom of the barrel crap, and I absolutely hated every second of it. It is just terrible. <laughs> I have noticed that uh, a couple people, or at least one person, I see here on Letterboxd. I thought there was two. I think there might be at least two people on Letterboxd that gave it a z- zero stars. Oh my! I was yeah. like, I was all excited because I did see that, uh, like on Twitter, that Tally Meadle favorited your Muck review, which she has yeah. a short film called Muck, and I thought, oh, he got to see Muck, oh, that's fantastic! Clicked on it. No, it was this stupid ass horror movie. I was so yeah. disappointed. It's just sad. Yes, it is a very mm-hmm. stupid, stupid ass horror movie. Don't see it if you do want to see it. It's playing on demand now, but. Again, don't don't do it. That sounds awful. It's just terrible. You can read my review. I do have a review up. So, Muck. All right, Kevin. What do you got for your first movie this week? Oh, my first movie this week counts as two movies. Oh shit! Essentially, god damn, it's so long. But in typical, uh, you know, Lob Diaz fashion, it's it's actually kind of short. It's like a short film for Lob Diaz. It's only four plus hours. So I settled in for four plus hours of live Diaz action, which uh, going into this one, um, apparently he's really into Dostoevsky 
and essentially he's kind of redoing Dostoevsky, which I know nothing about. So I'm ignorant on that front and also ignorant on the historical political climate of the Philippines. So ignorance all around <laughs> going into this one. Full of ignorance. Full of ignorance. And if you remember back when, uh, what was that, last year, I think, at some point in time, I saw Century of Birthing, which yeah. was one of his films. It was, you know, like seven plus hours. That's when I turned 30, like during the movie, because it was so fucking long. Um, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it. So this one, I was not really, I was not excited. But my wife watched it, and she said it was fantastic. Okay? And she couldn't even sit through Century of Birthing. So I figured, this has to be pretty good. I'm going to check it out. This is uh, this is uh, streaming on Netflix as of right now. So if you have four plus hours, get into it. And I was actually quite taken by this one. Very surprised. This is, it's a color film which apparently he doesn't really work in all too often. He actually learned to move his camera a little bit, which helps out immensely because the camera work is fantastic. And it's a series of long static takes, almost like Waha. If I, is that how we said it? I can't Howha. remember. Howha. Yeah, there you go. It's much like that, but there's actually beauty within the frames and things happening. So that was fantastic. Always love seeing that happen. And it's essentially two two parallel stories. Uh, one of Fabian, who's a promising law student that's uh, very philosophical, and he's talking about how he wants to live in a post-truth world, and he wants to resort back to pure instincts and such. And uh, he tries to live out that philosophy to disastrous results. And, of course, it ends up affecting Joaquin, who is just, he's just a guy trying to make it. He's poor. He's got. He's a father too. Husband. He's uh, currently trying to come back from an injury to his leg. He's just trying to make it, and his family is struggling. And both of them are taking money from a money lender to try and make their way. And they both have a violent confrontation with this money lender. Fabian ends up killing the money lender. Joaquin ends up taking the fall for it because, of course, he's poor. And just the way that everything unfolds, it's just unbelievable. The way that this the story plays out is fantastic. I wish they went into a little bit more. They spend a lot of time with Joaquin's wife and their two kids, but they really don't add much to it. That was really the only thing that I had going against uh, Norte End of History, is that they spend, you know, it's four plus hours. And during the middle portions here, we're spending like two hours with the wife but they're never really developing her character outside of, you know, she pushes a vegetable cart and that's it. Just pushes a vegetable cart, tries to provide for her family over and over again. And there's, you know, static sequences where you're just watching her and her family eat for like 30 minutes. That's it. Hmm. But that's really the only, the only thing, the only really knock against this movie. Uh, and about right about the time that the, the runtime was starting to get to me, it was starting to grade on me a little bit. Out of nowhere, it just breaks free, and we start getting this like experimental imagery where there's like the camera's just floating over the landscape, and it's just really grainy, and it's just fantastic where it's like soaring through the air, which really brought you back into it. And then it sort of goes into this like magical realism, spiritual place towards the end, which I th- I just thought everything worked out perfectly. Hmm. And it's just I was very surprised as much as I disliked Century of Birthing. To have this complete turnaround 
with Norte end of history, which I was very surprised. I didn't think it was going to happen. And I'm at, I'm at, I was teetering on a 10, except for that it drags a little bit towards in the middle there. Oh, four and a half movie drags? What? A little bit. Which, I mean, you got to say that's, that's saying something that it only drags a little bit in the, in the middle out of four plus hours. Maybe, maybe this director would be better suited in making uh, TV, like a mini series. I, you know, it, because honestly, the, the, the lines between cinema and television have, have been so blurred over the last three years or so that I feel like you could make a movie that's essentially five, six hours or whatever, and just break it up into a miniseries, then plop it on HBO or Showtime or it would be one of those. I, I would have to say it would be very interesting to see. The only thing that I don't know if it would work out too well is like I said, in the in the middle portion here, we're talking about almost yeah. nothing happening. Yeah, I guess so you would I have, guess you would have, have to structure you know, you would have like an episode or two where there's just nothing. Yeah. There's nothing going on. So you would lose how much of your audience in that space right. of time. But he handles there's um there's some violence in here there's some there's uh one scene of rape mm. but the way that he handled it is it's still terrible well, and yeah. just awful but you don't see it which makes it even worse it's just like the rape sequence is just the camera fixated on the the doorway of the bedroom and you see absolutely nothing but you hear everything and it just mm. plays out in real time and mm. it's just awful but man, it's just you know, there's a lot of stuff to unpack here, and that's even me without the whole Dostoevsky, the history of the Philippines, just what's going on on screen. There's mm. a lot to unpack, so a, I highly yeah. suggest that one. And that's Norte, the end of history, and that's available now on Netflix. Yeah, so. and the guy that plays Fabian, Sid uh, Lucero, oh my God, his performance is unbelievable. It's hmm. fantastic. So you gave that a four and a half on Letterboxd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw a movie that I gave a four and a half to, the one oh. that we were originally going to review this week, and that's It Follows. Oh, okay. There you go. This movie is everything, whereas Muck is everything that I don't want in a horror movie, Okay. everything that proves to be detrimental to the genre, I find It Follows is the exact opposite. It is fresh, it's unique, it's scary. It's got an amazing soundtrack. The story is wildly original. I loved every second of this movie. And I went to see this with my girlfriend, and she pretty much hates horror movies. She hates that I drag her to see all these horror movies (laughs) and force her to watch the screeners that we get in and all of this. She just does not like horror movies. And even she came out of that movie, and she was like, that was really good. I mean, it's probably, it'll <laughs> certainly be the best horror movie of the year, I think. Okay. It's, uh, so it's, it's directed by David Robert Mitchell and it's pretty much, it's about this, uh, girl, this, this young girl who she goes out on a couple dates with this guy. They take it to the next level one night and have sex and oh, he, next level. he, he knocks her out. He, um, has like, uh, gas on a rag or something and and makes her pass out she wakes up and she's strapped to a chair Uh in this like abandoned building 
And he basically says to her, there's, there's something that was following me. And the only way to get rid of it is to have sex with somebody else and pass it off to that person. And he said, if you, if, if it ever gets to you, it'll kill you, but it's very slow moving, but it will never stop unless you pass it on to somebody else. Okay. So she, she at first thinks that he's just some nut. Yeah. Then she starts seeing people slowly following her and it is the creepiest because it changes shape it it could be anybody it could be an old man an old woman uh, a younger girl it could it could be anybody okay and the way that that mitchell david robert mitchell films it 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 kind of subverts the expectations of what you would think of when you see a horror movie a lot of this takes place during the day there's a lot of wide shots in this, you know, normally in horror movies, everything is very close. It's tight. It's claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. He he opens it up in this movie, which is so weird because a lot of the time, you'll be seeing the characters interacting with each other, but you're not looking at them in the foreground. You're looking. You're scanning the background to see if if this creature or this this entity is heading towards them because a lot of times it is it's like a it's like a where's waldo you can kind of pick it out <laughs> and you're like oh that's it that's it it's, it's it's getting closer they don't see it and it, it it also adds to the tension of the movie too because a lot of times they don't see it coming but you do and it's like oh my god it's getting closer and it's uh it's just it's so it's so cool and it's one of these things too where you don't know if it's really real if it's all in their head and then you find out like no this is real because even though other people can't see it they can interact with it and it can interact with them it can hurt other people oh. even though they can't see it okay uh, so it it adds uh this kind of extra <clears throat> layer on top and it's just it's fantastic i loved it uh we do have a review on the site ernie reviewed it he only gave it a four out of ten he did not like it but i think he's i'm sorry he's just crazy he's, he's for just not wrong. liking this movie he's just wrong is that what well, you're saying it's, a, it's his opinion and i i respect his opinion i just think i but think do, that he is wrong. i mean i don't want to get into it but do you do you yeah i do you i Come i on. In his review, I'm just, I'm just in his review, a, a lot of the points he makes, I disagree with. In fact, I feel the opposite about a lot of the points that he makes. So gotcha. I, I don't know. This has like a ninety-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. A lot of people are, are loving this one. And I'm, in, I'm interested in this one. I can't, I can't wait to see this. I, I think you're gonna like it. Okay. It, uh, you know, it does have jump scares in it, and it, it is a horror movie. It is. You know, you can't get around that, but yeah, the way that it handles everything, there's a lot of there's a lot of comedy in it too. A lot of uh, kind of, and and the other thing is the characters are likable. You don't immediately hate all Every, of the characters. You don't wish everyone death, right? right off and the it's bat. and it's and it's not like one of these deals where it's like, oh, she's she's kind of like the slutty girl that sleeps around and in has this happened to her like she's just a regular 19 year old girl she's not she just druggy yeah she just took it to the next level with the wrong person exactly exactly but it wasn't even like a one night stand type of thing or anything like that it was just yeah um Mm. 
It Follows is playing in select cities right now. Highly, highly, highly recommend seeing this one. It is it is excellent. I'm, all right. I, I'm looking forward to this one. I thought I was going to get to see it this week, but <laughs> that yeah. didn't happen. That didn't happen. They I asked, they I asked like a if, funny joke. Yeah, I asked if they had plans for a, a VOD release. I was like, well, do you know when it's going to be out? And, and they're like, no. So well, I don't know what's what, going on. What I kind of saw... Just looking around a little bit this weekend was the 27th was the VOD release. But who knows? Because it was supposed to be this weekend and that didn't happen. So, uh, yeah. So, who I don't knows know. if it's going to be the 27th? Maybe the 27th. I don't know. I just I, I don't understand why you would do that to people. Get their hopes up and then just Didn't yank it? it away. Just dangle it out front like a carrot. And just yank it away. Jerks. Uh, another one, just a heads up. Another one that I saw on, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. This was on Netflix, Play Instant, but it's not anymore. Mm. was uh, White Material from Claire Denise. Um, Wow, this is so good. It just looks astonishing. Claire Denise might be one of the best directors working right now. Uh, This is from 2009 with Isabella Huppert. Uh, Interestingly enough, Christopher Lambert's in this. Highlander, Raiden. Wow. Yeah, yeah, he pops up. He's speaking French, too. So fucking classy now. Hmm. You don't even know Christopher Lambert anymore. Fortress. Talking French. <laughs> it's still, it's very bizarre to see him do it, too. He just seems completely out of his, out of his element. But he tries so hard. Um, it's just about uh, Isabella Huppert is kind of running a uh, coffee plantation in Africa. They don't say where in Africa. It's just in Africa in the middle of a civil war. She's trying to stay on. She she needs to do her harvest. She needs to make her money. But everyone's leaving. Everyone's just getting the hell out of there because it's a civil war. War is terrible. People are dying. So they're getting out. It's not worth it. It's just coffee. But she's trying so hard just to cling on to everything that she knows. She sees herself as an African person because she's lived there all of her life. She runs this plantation, but uh, they do not see her as such. And her son, who's even was born in Africa, you know, lived there his entire life, born and raised, they do not see him as African. So it's kind of, you know, the, the racial tensions in between there, but it 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 plays with the racial tensions, but it doesn't just overtly come out and play with the racial tensions. It's very she kind of she subtly works with those without just coming straight out and saying it, which is very interesting. But the main thing that really draws you into this is just the cinematography is unbelievable in this movie. It's just oh my goodness, it's something else. It it's one of those movies that looks so good that I really couldn't give two shits what they're talking about or what the narrative is. I just want to look at the imagery. Hmm. But, again, the story is pretty good. So you have that going for it. I might have to check this out. This looks really interesting. It's 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 very interesting. Now, uh, I'm noticing here one of the comments on Letterboxd says, that's one hell of a hairball. What is that all about? Um, Her son... Yeah, uh, he gets humiliated by two uh, African child soldiers, and when I'm talking child soldiers, I'm talking like 12 years old, 10 years old, with uh, and spears and knives and such. They make him completely disrobe. Um, they take a lock of his hair. They just they make a complete fool out of this guy, and he's like you know 19, 20 years old, something like that. So apparently, this really affects him. That when he goes home, he shaves off all his hair. 
Okay, I saw it in the trailer. Yeah, and he gets his gun, and when he shaves off his hair, he shoves it in one of the w- woman's mouths. So that's the hairball that we're talking yeah, about. I see. Okay. All of his hair in a woman's mouth. And she's like, you guys are fucking crazy. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> but again, the white the white people are like, oh, we're staying. Everything's fine. All right. So that's uh, white material. It is not available on Netflix anymore. It looks like you can get the disc. You can uh, get the disc. You can get you that. Can... That's at, it's out on Criterion, so it looks fantastic. I saw The Cobbler. Did it? Oh, why? Why? That... Why would you do that <laughs> to yourself? Uh, we didn't. We didn't have anybody reviewing it, and I decided. You yeah, know it what? Stayed that way. I was like, let's just see. Let's just see what happens. It's been a while since I <sighs> watched an Adam Sandler movie. Uh, I heard it was bad, but I'll I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll give <laughs> it the old college try. And boy, was it awful! Holy hell! This might be the worst Adam Sandler movie to come out in quite some time. Really. I hated it. I, I thought it was the worst. It was such a mess. So it's about a, if, you, if you're not familiar with this, it's about a, a lonely cobbler in New York City, mm-hmm. played by Adam Sandler, who finds a magic stitching machine that allows him to uh, inhabit the bodies of, or, or transform into anybody's shoes that, that he fixes with this stitcher. So mm-hmm. he discovers it when he fixes method man's shoes oh my god and method man plays this kind of gangster type character drug dealer and he puts on the shoes just for the hell of it and he turns into method man and he's just like whoa and then he figures out that it's the stitcher that's that's causing this to happen and then he starts playing around with it and that premise while ridiculous does lend itself to uh, some opportunities, some some interesting comedic opportunities, mm-hmm. but it. it doesn't. It doesn't do that. He changes into mainly mainly like probably four people throughout this movie. They're all guys, so they don't even they don't even go there with him trying to turn into a woman, which is probably uh, probably a good idea. It, it is, but at the same time. You would think that if if you were really if you found this and and realized that you could do this, I think you would switch genders just out of curiosity. True. It'd probably be one of the first things I would do, just for the hell of it. It wouldn't be like some weird sexual thing. They don't have to go there with it. It can just no, be no, no, no. yeah. And, and I thought I thought oh he's gonna switch into a woman and he's gonna go outside and he's gonna get the cat calling and stuff and see what it's like to be. A woman and be like oh man that's you know terrible they don't go there with it uh they don't go there with uh several of the characters that he turns into are minorities they don't go go there with like uh race or anything like that he, he turns into a, a short a, or a young uh overweight black kid and they go there a little bit with him getting made fun of for his weight and he turns into method man he turns into uh, like a like a Middle Eastern man, and the other thing is they he, he can only use ten and a half shoes because that's his shoe size, and yet everyone in apparently everyone that lives in New York City wears a ten and a half shoe size. Because I was gonna say, so you have Method Man and a 
short, overweight kid both wear ten and a halves. Everybody, everybody wears ten and a halves. But the whole time I was watching it, I was like, why couldn't he wear an eleven or a twelve? Because the way that it works is when you put you, you, the second foot, when you put your second foot in, that's when the transformation takes place. So if you're transforming into someone that's that has a size eleven shoe, your feet would grow to a size 11 because you turn into that person <laughs> just uh, love how much thought you're putting into this well yeah because it's ridiculous it's it's ridiculous uh one one interesting thing that he does is he puts on somebody's shoes who's dead he puts on a dead person's shoes and he turns into a corpse and that was i thought what that if, that was kind of interesting but they don't he doesn't really do anything with that it comes it, back later on this, and he scares somebody but does it, like can he do anything with the corpse or does he just turn into the corpse and he's like oh shit I'm a corpse? No, he's like a he's alive. It's okay. like a zombie. He kind of turns into a zombie. Oh my god, this sounds. You would think that he would just die though. Yeah. But whatever. Um, this is ridiculous. It, it, so they don't really do anything fun with the magical elements of this. Oh my god. Uh. And, and it turns into this kind of ridiculous... There's like two... There's kind of two plots that are happening. There's one where there's this girl that he meets, the love interest, who is trying to save the Lower the lower East Side and preserve it from developers that are coming in and buying up all the old, old buildings and uh, flipping them into like luxury condos and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it was like the Lower East Side Preservation Society or whatever. So he's... He decides that he's going to help her uh, stop this greedy developer from coming in and doing this to the Lower East Side, this which is which awful. is uh, where I live actually. So that was kind of interesting. But uh, Ellen Barkin plays the villain, no, and no. she she it turns out that she's employing uh, Method Man to kind of go in and strong arm these businesses and. And uh, renters that are in the area to leave, to vacate. Um, Oh my goodness. So there's all these coincidences that are happening in this movie. Everything just falls into place so perfectly with this cobbler. With this cobbler? (laughs) Oh god. uh, Dustin Hoffman's in it. He plays Adam Sandler's dad. And he's... It's just so ridiculous. When you watch this movie... You can't take any of it seriously. It's not funny. It's not this the same crude, over-the-top, goofball-style comedy that Adam Sandler's known for yeah. in most of his movies. It's just bad. It's not, it's it's not fun. It's not fun at all. It is absolutely terrible. So stay away from the cobbler. Uh, which I feel has been said before. Yeah, that's playing in limited release right now. Uh, but but don't don't pay. Don't to don't do this. it. Are you sure? No no. Okay, that's all I have. I'm done. Okay, I'm, I'm done, done too. Uh, I did see a movie called The Wrecking Crew, which came out this week. It's a docu. It's a music documentary about. Uh, oh, it's a rock doc. Yeah, this, I'm asleep the, already. I'm the asleep. Fi- the session musicians behind uh, the Beach Boys and Frank mm-hmm. Sinatra, and it's mildly entertaining but i i wasn't that into it. it it looks so old it actually was completed in 2008 but they ran into licensing issues with the music mm. so it's just now coming out 
Gotcha. But even for 2008, th- this movie looks like crap. It, you know what it reminds me of? It, it reminds me, I think I said this in my review, it reminds me of those late night infomercials for when Life Magazine comes oh, out yeah. with their CD collections of, of old Inc- music. Including hits. Like yeah. this one, and then it shows the old-time footage of them playing the song, and it has it that's, scrolling down. Yeah, that's exactly uh-huh. what this movie reminds me of. The, mm-hmm. the quality. The, and when they interview the people from the Wrecking Crew, the quality is so bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just this sounds like a waste of time. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really grab me. But yeah, All right, let's go ahead and move on to some predictions. All right. Last week, Cinderella. You said 40, I said 42, actual 84. You know what? I've been very surprised. I've been seeing this popping up on Letterboxd and people very much enjoying it. Yeah, that's a, that was a real surprise for me. I am very surprised. I'm, I'm still I'm not going like to see I'm, it. Just... I'm, I'm like leaning. I'm leaning. Leaning towards checking it out? It's probably one of those things that I'll probably check out like at the very end of the year. I'm just, I, I don't like Cinderella, the story. I'm I don't either. That... I'm just not that into it. I'm not I, like I don't I don't have anything against it, but it was just one of my least favorite Disney stories. I just I don't know. Maybe it's too girly, too girly. Just can't handle it. Uh, Run all night. You said thirty-eight. I said thirty. Actual fifty-nine. Mm, that that's lower. yeah. That's supposed to be pretty good too. So Did we I'll gave go. that. We have a review for that one up on the site. We gave it a seven. Blake gave it a seven out of ten. So really. Yeah. Okay. So that's. I was gonna go see it yesterday, but I said not to. Is Liam Neeson the grown-up version of Jason Statham now? Is that what we're dealing with? Apparently. That's fun, I guess. Just for uh, shits and giggles, the cobbler got an eight, which seems high, doesn't it? Kind of seems high. Yeah, I'm. It's kind of pretty high. It deserve. It honestly deserves a zero. It is so bad. I want to see what these good reviews are. These fresh, these fresh tomato scores. Something tells me they're not that fresh, even the ones that are <laughs> considered fresh. They're just, they're on the edge. It's got three. It's got three fresh ones. Yeah, three freshes. WBAI Radio from Prairie Miller. So there you go. Rex Reed, of course. Thank you, Rex. Come on, Rex. You have to be a contrarian. It was original score is a two point five out of four. Oh, so, so it's not even. So yeah. apparently that's a fresh. And John DeFore, Hollywood Reporter, whose whose pool line is likable but ordinary. Yeah. Apparently that's fresh. Mm. Mm-hmm. There you have it. Yeah. Next week we have Insurgent. What are you thinking on this one? This is the the sequel to Divergent. Um, thirty four. Thirty-four. All right, I'll say thirty-two on that one. Nice. Not, not excited. They also have the Gunman. Now this one, this one already has some reviews. Currently at a zero percent. So really, is look at the people that are in this. Yeah. Zero percent. Sean Penn, Javier Bardem. Oh my goodness, what happened? What's going I don't on? Know. <clears throat> well, let's see. There's only nine reviews, so this will probably go up in score but yeah, i would hope so i'll it's say not, it's not gonna go up by that much no i'll say 36 on that one hmm. i'm gonna say 24 all right 
Now, in limited release next week, we have Kumiko the Treasure Hunter. Yes. I think we'll probably be reviewing that one. Fantastic. We have back we have back country which you and I reviewed way back. Enjoyed that one. Yeah, check that one out if that's if that's opening in your area. Do you believe which is uh some kind of faith-based movie? Spring, very excited. Oh my god. Extremely finally. excited for that. I talked to when I was at that uh, Wild Canaries party, um I talked to some people that we're talking about spring and i was like no 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 no! don't tell me don't tell me anything i don't want to know they're like oh just just go see it it's amazing so yeah very excited for that uh ghoul which is a found footage horror movie i did already see that and it's awful just terrible uh how ha the the walking deceased which is uh one of those those goof spoofs the walking deceased yeah goof spoof uh, she's lost control. I'm gonna, uh, I'm kind of interested in that one. Yeah, it's got Longstreet in there. Longstreet. Yeah, yeah, I have a mild interest in that one. Danny Collins, which I'm not interested in at all, looks pretty bad. It's one with Al Pacino. Uh, La Sapienza. Nice. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, you're all about it, right? Not, not, not too into that one. Uh, you're all about it. Come on now. Zombievers. And Tracers. Okay. Tracers. Uh, let's see. Next week on Video On Demand, we have... Let me pull up the list here. Growing Up and Other Lies, Spring, yes. Sword of Vengeance, Tracers, The Walking Deceased, and Zombievers. Okay. I don't know if Kumiko... It doesn't look like Kumiko's slated for VOD. No, I don't think so. I don't think so, it is. So we probably won't be reviewing that one next week. I will get to see that the weekend after. Oh, is it coming out up there? Yeah, it actually is coming out. Really? Just a, just a week later. Just a week later, but it's coming. I'm excited. Cool. That's cool. Because I love kid things so much. <laughs> mm. I heard that this one's really good, though. It like looks fantastic. Of, it, I'm, I'm actually really excited for it. I don't give two shits of what I thought about kid thing. This looks fantastic. I can't wait to yeah. see it. That was at uh, Sundance last year. But uh, DVD and Blu-ray. We have Annie. Skip it. Boyhood. Check it out. Skip it. I'm interested in uh, to see if they have any cool making of features on, on the Blu-ray. I'm sure they do. Exodus Gods and Kings. Skip it. Yeah, skip that one. Muck. Skip it. Please skip that one. Skip. Song, of the sea, Song of the Sea. I heard nothing but good things about that. Looked interesting. I'm looking, the, yeah, I'm looking forward. Anim- to, yeah, I'm looking the forward animated to that one. one. Uh, top five, light, light recommend. Check that one out. Yeah. And Vice. I don't even know. Which what is, that is the one with uh, Bruce Willis? That's probably bad. Oh yeah, I'm motivated. I would imagine. Now, do we have any criterions? We have two criterions. We have a Truffaut, the Soft Skin, 1964. His follow up to uh, Jules and Jim. So there you go. If you're into some foe, get that. Uh, and we also have one from 1947 from Robert Montgomery, Ride the Pink Horse, which actually looks pretty. Uh, that actually looks pretty interesting. Film noir about a uh, tough-talking former GI who comes to a small town in New Mexico, looking to shake down a gangster who killed his best friend, and things quickly turn nasty. And I mean, it has the title called Ride the Pink Horse. 
I mean, that sounds pretty damn interesting, right? There. I'm intrigued. And it's the first. It's the uh, the first Hispanic actor to receive an Academy Award nomination. Thomas Gomez. So there you go. A little bit of history too. Wow. I'm, I'm cool. looking forward to that one. Yeah, that sounds interesting. All right, I think that that will wrap it up. Uh, stay tuned to the the website. Uh, just head over to filmpulse.net for South by Southwest coverage. Even though we're not there this year, we're all, we are going to be covering a bunch of movies. I did see uh, Creative Control. Dick. And yeah, I think you'll like that one. I'm very excited. I, and you talked about it before. You told me a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand what it was. But then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, my God. That's what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. I missed mm-hmm. my opportunity. Black and white, yeah. Jerk. Uh, so we have a review for that up. We have a review up for The Last Man on the Moon, which is a documentary about The Last Man on the Moon. Makes sense. Not great. Uh, Not great, that one. We'll have some other stuff up throughout the, the next week or so. So check that out. Uh, send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And be sure to raise on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches Movie. I guess that I forgot I had a choice. I let you